0: Chapter 18 of Murder Takes the Veil by Margaret Ann Hubbard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter 18. The sheriff, turning up his collar, stepped out into the downpour. In his car, he remembered, were a pair of rubbers. But in two steps, his feet were so thoroughly soaked that to put on rubbers then would be to shut water in instead of to keep it out. The campus was a pole with large islands of sodden grass, the path to the barnyard a peninsula leading to the slightly higher ground around the buildings. The window of Glory's kitchen showed a light burning within, and the sheriff headed for it. Glory opened the door to him. "'I ain't going back,' she said instantly. "'By night we'll have the Pacific Ocean between here and the convent, and I'm staying on my own side.' The sheriff, dripping a circle on the kitchen floor, saw that the family were celebrating Glory's return. High with an apron tied around him was earnestly wiping dishes for Addie Pearl. Baking supplies were set out on the table, and around this nucleus all the younger Muckleroys were ranged, from the baby in his high chair to Munn who was stirring up batter in a blue bowl. Jarvis fastened an eye accusingly upon the dish wiper. Why didn't you come in with her, Muckleroy? You knew I'd want to talk to you. What was the idea? Glory gaped. The children rolled round eyes, and High stood in arrested motion, pressing the dish towel against the plate he held. Me? Come in with you, Sheriff? With Trillium Pierce, Jarvis snapped. I saw the truck stop at the door. Miss Trillium? She's back? Glory said in a sort of squeaky whisper. Certainly she's back. Didn't High bring her? Hyde laid down the plate and folded his arms, the dish towel draped around them. "'I didn't bring her, Thatcher, and I don't know what call you got to say I did. I come in from the barn when it commenced to rain, and I ain't been out since.' "'How about the truck?' "'The truck went, sure enough, but not me. I ain't got no information on that there girl, and Glory ain't goin' back to sit with her no more. Now, you got any more questions?' Yes, who drove the truck if you didn't? Tolvatzen. Thanks. A whisk of rain swept into the kitchen, and the sheriff was gone. Glory sat down suddenly, her blue eyes upon her husband in adoration and misgiving, thrilled by his unexpected display of masculine fortitude, yet slightly uneasy over his brush with the law. Not often did High assert himself. But there he stood, casually disregarding the admiration of his family rubbing his chin with a dish towel. Later this incident would become known as the Time Paw Put Thatcher in His Place, but as yet it was too freshly over to be labeled. Already the short pilings of the guest house rose out of a lake. As the sheriff stepped upon the small porch and knocked, it occurred to him that the rain might be going to accelerate matters in a very special way. If the house became flooded, as it well might here on low ground, there would be no solution, other than to move the three occupants into the convent building for the duration of the storm. And if I have to do that, I'll stay with them myself, Mr. Thatcher vowed, and hunched his shoulders again. A dribble ran down his neck, his hat hung around his face, his shoes squished, and his trip to the guest house had been in vain, for there was no answering movement inside. He stepped off the porch into the water before the door opened behind him. "'Sheriff, come in,' Tolson cried. "'I was changing my wet clothes, something you ought to be doing also, from the look of you. But come in. You want to know about Trillium?' "'Exactly.' "'I was about to ring you up, Sheriff. I am too old to go gallivanting around in the wet. The boys aren't in, and we'll have it all to ourselves. Make yourself comfortable by the fire. You won't mind if I do a little painting. It releases my thoughts, like a woman knitting.' A decoy, Jarvis thought wryly, but he skinned off his raincoat and hung it in the little vestibule. Tor's hospitality seemed genuine enough. The artist settled himself with his back to the north window. The small easel held a half-finished picture of a fishing boat on a bayou, the transparent shining surface of the water disclosing murky depths. Like Pirate Cove, when they had torn away the hyacinths, hunting Trillium. How did you know where to find her? "'the sheriff asked abruptly, standing before the fire. "'The artist finished mixing a shade on his palette, "'applied it to the canvas, and studied it before he replied. "'It was only by chance, Mr. Thatcher. "'I happened to be in the library one day, "'reading about the life of da Vinci. "'It's wonderful how humble you feel after such an experience. "'Was Trillium there?' "'Yes, at the end of the table I was using. "'She was reading the local paper.' but I didn't notice until she tore out the clipping. Isn't it strange how one notices nothing of another person's movements until they grow furtive about them? There I sat, reading with all my mind and heart, unconscious of the girl, until she began to watch the librarian's sister. I forget her name. They all look alike, don't they? Why was she watching the sister? Because no one is supposed to mar the papers. There's a sign about it, in very nice block lettering. Well, the sister only sees what is straight ahead of her, on account of the coif, so it was very easy for the girl to nip out the clipping when the sister's back was turned. And did you see what it was she tore out? No, I didn't even think about it until this morning, when I went again to the library for a volume. Then I looked up the paper and found the cut space. It was simple to note what came above and below, and compare it with the paper we take here. Curiosity alone prompted me, Sheriff, I assure you. Tor laid down his brush and slipped his fingers into his vest pockets. Here is what I cut from our own paper. Jarvis carried the slip to the window. It was torn from the Help Wanted section, and it read, Wanted, Made, White, Good Wages, Mrs. O'Neill, First House Beside the Stone Church, Marysville. So you took it into your own hands to investigate, the Sheriff said. Tor smiled, his head on one side, the brush poised over the already perfect bayou water. I brought her back, didn't I? Why? Because I'm sorry for her, and I thought she would be safer here. Safer, when already there had been two attempts made upon her life? The sheriff took out his wallet and stowed away the little clipping. It was not so important, now that Trillium had been found, but still unworthy to be tossed away. The sheriff's silent reception of his answer bothered Tor. He laid down the brush and, with a startling change to a business like manner, faced the big man on the hearth. Mr. Thatcher, I discuss my work with no one, for obvious reasons. The subject of a painting is like the subject of a book. Ideas are contagious, and the most certain way to secure my own is to lock them in my own mind. But you are not satisfied, and so. He made a gesture that took in a wide space. The sheriff tried to hide his surprise. Tor was wrong. He'd been perfectly satisfied, until now. Now he was not. "'There is a good deal of competition for a mural design for a large hotel in the East,' Tor resumed. "'I am entering a subject. I hope unusual enough to catch a judge's fancy. And the central figure of my painting will be a young girl. Not so beautiful as some, but with a marvelously expressive face.' "'Yes, Sheriff, Trillian Pierce. I had to use a ruse to get her to pose for me. She was reluctant. Mother Theodore's opposition had to be overcome. I felt compelled to keep my work secret. I even destroyed my correspondence on the subject. Oh, there were all kinds of obstacles. So when she disappeared, and I knew where she could be found, I brought her back. A purely selfish motive, Sheriff. I want to win that competition.' Jarvis pursed his lips, nodding again. Tor was an upsetting old character, and no mistake. His explanation could be true. Crispin Archer, however, also admitted to spending some time in the library last night. Had he noted the clip space in the paper and compared it with another? And had Tor brought Trillian back because he was afraid Archer would get to her first? Either could have the same reason for wanting her again at St. Aurelian's. For her own safety, or for his own convenience in disposing of her. "'What made you so certain Trillium had gone to this address?' Toboltson, the sheriff asked. "'Wasn't it logical? The girl probably has no money. Domestic service would give her board and room. A little money, eventually. And a strange kitchen would be the last place in the world a college girl would be hunted. Until, of course, her absence was made public. But there had been no you and cry.' The woman would have no suspicion about hiring her. I think she was smart, very smart indeed. Then why didn't you get in touch with me when all this burst upon you? I wanted to see her myself, to persuade her gently to return. And did you persuade her gently? I used a little strategy. I told the woman I was her uncle, that she had run away from home, you know. The sheriff studied the guileless old face. Tor didn't in the least resemble a murderer, but neither had the white-haired gentleman who had fed two wives to the alligators not so long ago. There was no reason why the artist's entire story should not be gospel truth. Tor might have missed the significance of the paper clue immediately, yet here he had been sitting, quietly painting that bottomless bayou, while Trillium cowered in a strange kitchen, jumping at every knock of delivery boy and milkman, afraid for her life and when the benevolent uncle had come and explained things to Mrs. O'Neill, Trillium had been polishing the silver, and she had snatched her coat with the polish still on her hands, and tried to get away. "'Where's Archer?' the sheriff asked abruptly. "'Over at the college. He had classes all afternoon.' "'And Eric?' "'I shouldn't wonder if he's still in the barn. We didn't realize it was raining so hard until we turned to come over.' "'Did Eric go with you to Marysville?' No, I let Trilliam mount at the east door, and Franz happened to be there, so I picked him up. He insisted on letting me off here, at the house, and taking the truck back to the barn. A nice boy, Franz. Must have had a good mother. The sheriff grunted and shrugged himself into his coat. Uncle Tor's brotherly love was a little more than he could stomach in view of recent incidents, and he plunged out into the rain with a sense of relief. The deluge was now coming in solid sheets. At the pasture gate, the cattle stood bawling, belly-deep in water. If young Eric was still in the barn, the sheriff thought without much sympathy, he would probably remain for the duration of the flood. The comet was on a very slight rise, but even that was to be inundated. There was no line of demarcation between bayou and lawn. Muskrats, taking revenge from the water, scurried around the old stone walls, as the sheriff watched, a trapper trudged out of the swamp and began to scatter cut up carrots and turnips from the sack he carried on his back. Gotta keep em chewin', he called to Jarvis. Them little mushquash is my bread and butter. Inside, Sister Osmond was waiting with a call for the sheriff. At about the time the sheriff was slogging across to the Muckleroys, Pete Jenkins opened the door of Mr. Cohen's fur shop. A little bell tinkled above his head and at the signal there was a response in the back room, and Mr. Cohen stuck out a hand, and then himself. Hello, said Pete. You're the owner, eh? Mr. Cohen's soft brown eyes became wary, and he shrugged. Owner, janitor, fur sewer, designer. What else? I'm a deputy sheriff. Pete showed his badge. I understand you've put in several calls to Miss Trillian Pierce at the College of St. Aurelian's. Mr. Cohen smiled uncertainly, and pulled forward a chair. The shop was so small that there was barely room for two chairs, a table upon which lay several fur pelts, and the rack where a mink coat hung. I called her, sure, said the furrier. You sit down, mister. She asked me special to keep it for her, but it is mended, the season is short. I figure she should take the coat and wear it. What kind of coat, Mr. Cohen? Right there. He waved toward the rack. Pete lay his hand on the fur and whistled. Say, that's quite a piece of fluff, isn't it? It's a very beautiful coat, Sheriff. Pete accepted the promotion with a nod, and Mr. Cohen continued. I'll tell you about it. I don't want to trouble with the law. Two weeks ago she brought it in and showed me a big tear in the back. I don't say anything, but it looks to me like somebody deliberately tore the skins. She said keep it and she'd come back. Maybe I shouldn't called. I don't know. I got a dollar myself. She got little secrets I don't ask about. This girl, I think, got little secrets, too. Maybe got her coat torn sometimes you don't want to tell about. The furrier stood impassive. His hands clasped over his blue denim apron. His spectacles pushed to his forehead. Is that a factory job, Mr. Cohen? I know. No, no, no. Mr. Cohen caught the hem of the coat fanning out the beautiful folds. Special design, specially matched pelts, made for beauty, no reinforcement, because they want it soft and rippling. To me, it looks like somebody designed it for one woman. Pete was puzzled at the furrier's manner. You mean somebody designed it for Trillium? Yeah, I know. She is too young for mink. When this coat was made, she would be a little girl. No. He sighed, glancing sideways at Pete. Women like that want always mink. Nothing else will do. It's a symbol, maybe, a laurel wreath. Always it's mink. Well, Pete exclaimed, looking at the coat in a new light. Well, could you give me any idea of what this victorious lady might look like? Short, from the length, about a size fourteen. Fourteen? Seems to me my wife's been reminding me she's a sixteen. Christmas coming, you know. Fourteen would be smaller, eh? Small, petite, very nice. "'said so Mr. Cohen. "'My wife is the 14 in the height, but the girth, yai, yai 44.' "'Pete reached for the telephone on the table "'and gave the number of St. Aurelians. "'The sheriff, said so Sister Osmond, would call him back, "'but Pete was impatient. "'I'll take the coat and give you a receipt for it,' "'he said to the furrier. "'So Mr. Cohen, wondering how much trouble he had made for Trillium, "'trudged into his back room after a box.' The memory of the girl had haunted him every time he entered his shop. Now it appeared that his part was finished, and he was very much relieved. "'So Trillium is the owner of a mink coat,' the sheriff remarked thoughtfully. The beautiful garment was spread out on the table where the marble maidens usually held up their birdbath, the maidens having been transferred to the floor, and Mr. Thatcher and his deputy were discussing the furrier's tale.' and he thinks the tear was deliberately made, Pete. That's what he said, but why? Well, the furrier had just sent out the coat from storage. She couldn't very well cart it back to him without a reason. But why cart it back? Somebody would recognize it. Pete whistled, a favorite response, when he wanted to register surprise. The coat, it seemed, might turn out to be the key to the whole business. I wonder why women wear fur coats in the South, Pete, Jarvis asked, laying his hand on the silky back. Well, this one was a laurel wreath, according to Mr. Cohen's notion, Pete answered, and went into the explanation with elaborations of his own. The result was swiftly forthcoming. Pete, the sheriff snapped, get along to Sister Osmond's office and have her put in a call to the New Orleans Police Department. want to talk to them when she gets them. Settin' him on a trail, chief? The uncle. He can't have disappeared from the face of the earth. The sight of a uniform might open up those maids. Now scoot and get that call started. If the lines are down, it may take a week, Pete said dryly. Remember our lousy and a storms. But he departed quickly. In the quiet room, the sheriff sat down to stare for a long time at the lovely, mysterious thing on the table had one of the three guests on the campus bought it? Which one? Any one, if money alone was to be the clue. Each had earned for himself more than the price of the coat in the earlier years of his success, and none was too old, or too young, to have been the buyer. End of chapter 18